0: Psalm 139, verse number one. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Wow, Father, thank you. Forever I will be grateful for the privilege of knowing your Son, that you sent the Holy Spirit to find me. Wow. So Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus today. Help us all to understand. He's out looking for each of us to bring us back to you. So, Father, you can fall on our shoulder and kiss us and welcome us home. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Then the next verse, further down rather, in the same, same psalm, 139 verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Think about that. And in your book, they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them, no days in existence. He already had my life planned. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What a powerful insight into how God sees his creation. This is about how great God, who loves you and He put you here for a purpose, and it's His Valentine message to every one of us. When you speak of the love of God, you have to go back to the Old Testament where it all begins historically put together. There were Jews and Gentiles. Most were Gentiles. When Jesus appeared, He came for the Jew. When He was born in Bethlehem, he came for the Jew. He came to his own, and his own received him not. When he sent out his disciples two by two, he told them the same. And he says, I want you to go in the name Jesus, heal the sick, preach the gospel, cast out devils, and I'm restricting you, my disciples, to the household of Israel and Jesus instructed them, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus came for the Jew and Jesus came and sent his disciples to Israel. That's the, the, the initial part of his mission. And that's why there are all these lineages that you read about in the Old Testament. What's that all about? It's about bloodlines. It's about understanding how powerful a bloodline is because it distinguished those who were in the bloodline of covenant with God. So, a woman approaching the disciples prior to the cross of Jesus looking for a miracle, and she asked for a miracle, and the disciple probably would look at her and say, Well, who's your father? Name your heritage. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not in the right lineage. No, you're not in the right bloodline. And I'm not going to pray for you. It sounds unbelievable to us that that could even happen. But in Mark 5, a woman approaches Jesus about her daughter who's demon-possessed. And she's begging the disciples and Jesus to deliver her daughter. Watch. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. That's the Jew. Let them be filled first. For it's not good to take the children's bread, the Jew, and throw it to the little dog's not going to happen, lady. He said, I cannot give this miracle to you. But she was tenacious in her faith. And Jesus said, I'm not supposed to do this until after the cross, but I'm skipping a dispensation because of your expression of faith. And she answered and said to Jesus, yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Yeah. Most of our generation today view their bloodline as an obstacle, not as an asset. Many students have no pride in their bloodline because sometimes they don't even have a clue who their father is bloodline-wise, what the heritage is, or they're embarrassed of the bloodline. They're ashamed of what's happened in their family's lineage To the Jew, your bloodline is your credibility. Most Jews know their bloodlines, and they know the tribes from which they descended. They can tell you, I'm from the tribe of. When I was at squadron leadership school, there was a gentleman who was teaching our class. And he gave his name, and when I went up to him, I said, you come from the tribe of Judah. Judah. And he looked at me and he goes, Absolutely correct. He knows his bloodline. And I knew because of his name that that was associated with that specific tribe. They know what tribe they come from, from what tribe they descended. And the sum total of the Jew is to be connected to Abraham, going all the way back. So your influence with God resided in whether or not you had a connection with Father Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham. And God said, I will bless those in your bloodline. And the seed of Abraham meant you are now a beneficiary of those who came before you, your predecessors. And Paul speaks of this. He says, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise. We could not get under the blessing of the bloodline. We were of the wrong inheritance. So the power of the bloodline... You were a beneficiary of everyone who preceded you. A man by the name of Levi is mentioned in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. He's given credit for paying tithes 200 years before he was born because he had a great, 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 great grandfather named Abraham who paid tithes and reached forward on his behalf. And God said... I'm going to bless your lineage 200 years forward to Levi because of what you're doing right now. So, Abraham's blessings were in Levi genes. <laughs> and certainly they' getting blessed, aren't they? <clears throat> what about us? How about us? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. There's this promise in Ephesians. Say he chose us. Before Abraham was born, God blessed you. He chose you. He was looking for you. So what did he choose you for? To be placed in the bloodline of a man who would shed his blood, Jesus Christ. And to comprehend what it means to also be chosen like Abraham was. The scope of being chosen, what does that mean? You are chosen. You are chosen to be here to hear this message today. God knew you would be in this room. That's how expansive He is. Chosen. My cousin Paul used to own a ranch. He would take his horseback riding because he had several. And we were out in the suburbs and we went out and we would ride horses on Saturdays often. He had all kinds of farm animals, everything you'd imagine out there. But I enjoyed it. It was fun riding horses and getting used to that. But I got so captivated several years back watching the magnificent thoroughbred secretariat. He wins three phenomenal races. He's the triple crown champion, the winner of all thoroughbreds. It's an amazing horse. I mean, just look at the magnificence Jam of this horse. Jam and Secretariat pulling away at blazing speed. With a half mile still to run, Secretariat's freaking away. Four legs. Six. Nine. Eleven. Entering the final turn, Secretariat is moving legs. Tremendous machine! That's impossible. He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. He cannot stand still, when the trumpet sounds. The lead is now 24 lengths! 26 lengths! unbelievable. I thought I was watching something supernatural that day. I have never seen a horse run like that in my entire life. Unbelievable. A thoroughbred, that's what you were looking at, a thoroughbred is known as a blood horse. For 300 years, those who breed blood horses, they're called blood stock agents. A bloodstock agent buys and sells horses, and they're exchanging hundreds of thousands of dollars in doing it. It's a science. They study. They know the horse's genealogy in ways we never comprehend. The bloodstock agent isn't looking for pretty. In dealing, with, dealing for a horse, doesn't care how cute the horse is. Doesn't care about the color of the horse, the things we think are important. Doesn't care about the appearance as much as one thing. What the bloodstock agent wants to know is one thing. The horse's bloodline The outward characteristics are secondary because when you're buying a thoroughbred, you're buying a bloodline. North America's leading sire is a horse named Stormcat. And if you have a mare you'd like to breed with Stormcat, it will cost you at least $400,000. What do you get for the $400,000? What guarantees? Will you get a return on your investment? Well, here's what you get. You will get a colt that's born it has cloudy eyes, wobbly legs, it falls down, it's trembling, but the bloodstock agent will take out his checkbook and write a check for $400,000 because the bloodstock agent is not put off by present weakness. He understands there's an inheritance in that bloodline. A bloodstock agent will pay the 400000 or more, not purchasing present achievement of a weak and frail and pitiful cult, But he's purchasing the past achievements valued on all the predecessors' victories. The worth of that colt is solely attributable to the bloodline that it comes from. And he may look weak and pitiful and of little strength. Winner's circle. Roses around his neck. Possibly the triple crown. On the outside, he doesn't look like a winner. But if he's connected to the right bloodline... The bloodline will overcome the weaknesses, and they know that. That wobbly colt, sired by Stormcat, unsteady, what's in that colt? Listen to me. Tlingua, Northern Dancer, South Ocean, Secretariat, Neartic, Bolero Rose, are all in the bloodline of that colt. All champion racing horses, In that colt, the power of the bloodline, you receive all the achievements of those who've come before you. Before a foal or a colt is born, the bloodstock agent pours over volumes of statistics. He does genealogy searches, looks at the pedigrees, researching is done to ensure the quality of the foal or the colt. It will take years to produce a winner, and every effort is made to ensure that what's produced is a winner. As the measurements are made for generations, they look for patterns to emerge in those horses that are bred. Colts are measured at 14 months. Digital screening is applied. Then they breed the horses based on the input they've gathered in order to ensure that the winner is going to be born. By chemical analysis, cardiovascular analysis... Fifty-eight different points are studied before they're bred. They know what they're looking for in each horse that they breed for. And if the back of the horse is too long, the energy required to raise the front end is too great, and it slows down the horse. If the front leg structure is not symmetrical, it causes the horse's trajectory to be off. If it's built too low to the ground, its push-off out of the gate will be slow. When the rear and front hooves hit the ground, if not in perfect stride, then the gallop has been shortened. Before breeding, there's a complete breakdown of the mare and of the stallion. Their stride, leg angles, hoof strike, their acceleration, the size of their hearts, the size of their lungs. Study after study lineage, bloodlines, months of research before there's breeding, what the cult will be in size, capability, strength, stride, endurance, all calculated before it's born. They know what the strengths are going to be. They know what the weaknesses may be. Body size, proximate, heart size, lung size, height, already done in virtual reality. After all the research Ameris selected, a stallion is selected. They breed to produce a colt that they're hoping and looking for. Now watch this. The colt doesn't exist yet, only in the mind of the bloodstock agent. Before that that colt is born, there's a purpose and a plan for every step. The bloodstock agent sees him in the winter circle, sees him with the roses around his neck, sees him overcoming any weaknesses sees him in the bloodline that he comes from, he has acquired a victory through the bloodline of another. It's the power of the bloodline. So here's the application. Listen to these words in Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched, and the Hebrew word is researched, me, and known me. Verse 2. You know my sitting down and my rising up. In the Hebrew, my weaknesses and my strengths what I can do and what I cannot do. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Before God made the world, he constructed me, and I just showed up a few years ago. But I was in my bloodstock agent's mind, All the way back into eternity. With great precision and great detail, he constructed you. You are no accident. You are no surprise. You might have surprised your parents, but you did not surprise God. You didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents. You came from God. That's where you come from. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And God watched you being assembled. And the word substance, which I'll read to you in a moment, in Hebrew means embryo. When we were in embryo, God was watching us being put together in an unformed state. Your eyes saw my substance. That's embryo. Being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. Listen. Everything about you your appearance your uniqueness your personality your DNA is specific to you it's all recorded in God's books when as yet there were none of them before we existed when we yet were to come into existence on the drawing board of God in the thoughts of my heavenly bloodstock agent God was putting together you Your children, your children's children, all with a plan and a purpose and a destiny. And then he sums it up. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. He thinks about us more thoughts. Listen to me. He thinks about us with more thoughts than the sands of the seashore. Do you know how long he's been working on you? That's why you can't give up. That's why you can't quit. That's why you can't take your life. That's why you can't waste another day. Substance abuse, living some life with no meaning or direction or purpose because God has a plan for your life. And you're better than that. You're not a piece of protoplasm to be passed around and used over and over. God has a plan. He knew what you could be before you ever got here. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. Of me? (laughs) Who am I? I'm a nobody. But he knows my name, and I'm a friend of God, and he holds me in the palm of his hand. You are not the product of a moment. You're not the outcome of a single day. You're not the conclusion of a year or the result of a decade. You're a child of eternity. And every day, listen to me, one day you will be alive still in eternity, and there you will never die. You will be in heaven or you will be in hell alive in one of those two places, but you will be alive somewhere because God constructed you for eternity. Hear it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Do you hear God's word? That's why life is so precious. And that's why abortion is so wrong. God is the giver of every life. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you. In some families, when the second child is born, there can be a little jealousy. Not all, but some. Because there's a new person. The intruder has arrived. (laughs) The true story someone was sharing with us some time back, a couple brought home their second child, a little girl. The two-year-old boy, the predecessor was not handling the attention the newborn was getting. So there had to be a little correction applied to the two-year-old. One night, the two-year-old boy decided to say goodnight to his newborn sister. (laughs) So he entered the room by himself, her bedroom, and closed the door. Mom, being ever alert to a little bit of jealousy in this boy, cracked the door keep an eye on things and what he's doing in there. And the boy climbed up on the side of the crib, and he said to the newborn girl, quick, tell me what God looks like. I'm starting to forget. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. You knew me. We came from him. We were in him before we were here. And the word says the time between Abraham and David was 14 generations past. From David to Babylonian captivity, 14 more generations passed. From Babylonian captivity to Jesus Christ, 14 generations passed. Think about this 14 generations. So, here's what we're going to do. Second row. Stand. There's seven of you. I need seven more to extend past you, Sal. So, can we have maybe the row behind, two rows behind? Come on. Seven more of you. Get over on the side of Sal and just can extend this until we get to 14. Okay. There's seven. Come on. Come on. Come on, students. Eight. Nine. 10, 11, 12, 13. I need one more. So that would be DJ. Right? Might as well get up there. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. All right. Now, face east that way. Okay? Now, I want everyone to put your hand on the shoulder of the person in front of you. Okay? Now, take a look at them that's 14 generations. Just imagine that in your mind, 14. That's what 14 would be looking like if they were spread out over 14 generations, each one representing a singular generation. That's a long time. That's a lot of years. Okay, now just just remain there for a minute. (laughs) Abraham had a covenant with God from Abraham, DJ, Abraham, 14 generations, well, David, supposed to be here, but 14 generations would be David. Okay. From David to Babylonian captivity, another 14 generations. From Babylonian captivity to Jesus Christ, 14 more generations. It's the power of the bloodline, because through those people in those generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Gideon, Deborah, Ruth, Samuel, Samson, Rahab, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Hosea, David, the worshiper, Elijah. Listen, every conqueror in the word of God is in those bloodlines. Every one of them. Okay, so go ahead and be seated. Thank you. Appreciate it. So here's the point. God told Abraham, I will bless you and I will bless your seed. I will bless your children's children. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I will bless you. 14, 14, 14. And that blessing went down three times 14. Here's the problem. I'm a Gentile. I can't get into the middle of this bloodline. And I need a blessing. I need God to help me with my family. I need God to heal my body. I need God to touch my life. I need the blessing and favor of the Lord. And I'm locked out of that bloodline. For generations, we were all locked out until 14 times 3, the 42nd generation showed up, Jesus Christ. The 42nd generation showed up, his name is Jesus. He's no longer in heaven, he's now physically on earth. And without the shedding of blood, there's no sacrifice for sin. He is the blood man, Jesus. He has divine blood flowing through him. He is the seed of Abraham. And Satan messed up just before Easter morning if he had not plotted to take Jesus down. But Jesus is nailed to the cross. He lays down his life. He surrenders himself, and he begins to shed blood. And as the blood of Jesus was pouring out, loose and no longer locked up in that bloodline, no longer locked up in that race, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Suddenly, when we by faith reach to God and say, I believe, I believe your God's Son, my Savior, forgive my sins. You shed your blood for me, for you so loved the world. And it became, Whosoever will. So the white man, the black man, the Asian man, the Native American, any one of us messed up, the woman messed up, whosoever will, if you connect to his blood, his blood flows over you and you are washed. But pastor, I have weaknesses. I've got failings There's problems in my bloodline. Listen to me. If you're washed in the right bloodline, it eradicates the old bloodline and he makes you an overcomer. His blood has already overcome death, has already overcome sin, has already overcome hell. And listen, because I have his blood, I'm not counted out, I'm counted in. I may be trembling in my own weaknesses, wobbly legged and cloudy eyed, and nobody, but you'd understand. Please comprehend. The power of the bloodline. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Adopted in. When I'm linked with Jesus Christ, I get Abraham's faith. I get Samson's strength. I get David's praise. All of that is in now my bloodline. It's in my blood, the praise. So don't tell us to be quiet in church. Whoever told you you should be quiet in church? It's in our blood to worship the Lord. Thank Jesus for the bloodline. It's now in my blood to overcome. It's in my blood to live eternally. It's in my blood to overcome addiction. To say in Jesus' name I can live again, love again, dream again, try again. Because God has purpose for us. So, don't ever let the enemy tell you your life is over. Just because you've been through a divorce or there's been a failure, you may be in a weak place, but if you're connected to the blood source, victory is already won. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Overcame who? The adversary. There's nothing you've done, nothing you've been involved with that the blood of Jesus cannot overcome, cannot defeat, cannot conquer. It's already defeated. And if I didn't serve God for any other reason, I would serve him for my family. Because once Jesus' blood hits my life, it starts flowing to my children and my children's children. And your pastor is, is blessed, not because of anything I have done, but because I am connected to the strong Son of God who put his blood over mine. Now my children are beneficiaries. My children's children can be beneficiaries. And the secret, we are weak, but we plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus overcomes every fear. The blood of Jesus overcomes Any depression, the blood of Jesus overcomes. Every attempt of the enemy to destroy your home. Why? You have winner's blood in you. Once a Gentile, now royal blood flows in your veins. Through the cross of Jesus. Clean. Forgiven. Chosen. Favored. It's not our achievements any more than it is that cult's. As it is with the cult and its predecessors, it is with us. It's my predecessor, not my achievement. It's his blood. And that ought to make you worship. That ought to make you cry. That ought to make you passionate to serve the Lord. Will anybody in this place learn to praise the Lord for the blood of Jesus, his Son, that has brought you into the bloodline and given you eternal purpose? So I plead the blood over every marriage, over every family, over every single individual person in this room. When you are connected to the blood man. Sins are covered by the blood. The plan that he had for you before you ever got here. Because the blood now covers you. That plan kicks in. And I'll hear him say to person after person. It's not too late. He'll restore the years you've squandered. And the years you've wasted. And it won't stop with you. It'll be passed along to the next generation and the next generation. And it just keeps getting better with every generation. And as long as earth remains, Sioseola blood is connected to Jesus' blood. And children, and children's children, even after I am gone, God will remember this day when I stood here and I said, I plead the blood over my family, and it will bring strength and protection and blessing and favor. And We are here today praising Jesus because he deserves all the glory. We are who we are because of Christ. Through the grace of God, Paul wrote, An Andre Crouch song. He's gone to be with the Lord. Just a few days ago. My, we sang a lot of his songs. Those days back in Chicago, a lot of his stuff. He was dyslexic. Sometimes he couldn't even put write the word down on the paper that God gave him for a song. So he would draw a picture. Then his sister, his twin would look at it and figure out what it was he was putting down. And then she'd write the word for the picture. To God be the glory for the things he has done. With his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. we sang it for years the blood will never lose its power the blood of Jesus the bloodline of Jesus is undiminished stronger still with each generation to build he said his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against So, anybody here want to give Jesus your best praise? Maybe you ought to jump to your feet and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.